Every year in the NFL, it's a new team. As far as goals go, we have one. Putting a fucking ring on our finger. Welcome to the Buccaneers Observer Podcast. This is Ralph Phillips. I'm Molly Bay. Today is December 26, 2019. Happy post-Merry Christmas, everyone. Sad times. We only have one more week left. Week 17 against Atlanta is coming up Sunday. And then Black Monday is the following day. Oh, I forgot about that. So we'll see how that goes. No, I don't think we have anything to worry about. No, absolutely not. But But around the league. Yeah, especially in the uh, NFC South. We'll see if uh, Atlanta can hold on to their head coach. Heard that Mike McCarthy interviewed for the... Carolina Panthers head coach job. Please, God, let him get please, that job. Please, please God, please, let him get that please. job. Please, <laughs> let him get that job. And bring Cam Newton back. Oh, my gosh. Yes. As we found out from Green Bay after he left, Aaron Rodgers was running the show there. And if he comes to Carolina, Cam Newton is certainly not equipped to run a team like that, like uh, Aaron Rodgers is. Well, you know, at least you know with Cam Newton's leadership, the whole team will have, you know, uh, good style, or at least style. I don't know if it'd be good. And, like, you know, it's funky hair. He'll get all that straightened out. That'll be his leadership. The important things in football. That's important to him. All right, got the All-22 film review done for the Houston Texans game. It was very interesting, very, very interesting. But surprisingly, I got the video up on YouTube, and I was, I was actually surprised. It's funny when I do these things. I have no idea how long they're going to be because after hours and hours and hours of watching it, I can't remember how many video clips I've done and everything. So it's not until I start putting it together that I can see how long it is. And this is one of the shortest ones I've done, but it was one of the more interesting games to watch. So that was very strange. And there was a couple of video clips that I I know I did, but they ended up not being in the video. I don't know what happened to them. So, you know, I was doing this. We had family over. A house full of people. house full of people. So you can hear all in the background <laughs> all kinds of noise and stuff. I he th- was trying to do it all day yesterday. Uh, Tuesday. Or Tuesday. Yeah. Christmas Eve. Couldn't do it. Yeah, it was loud. We had people all in here just making all kinds of noise. And some of the family is rather loud anyhow. But so I did it Tuesday, got most of it done. And then I finished it up today. And I was really surprised. Thursday. Thursday. I was really, see, I didn't do anything yesterday during Christmas. But I was really surprised at how little, how few clips I had. Because like I said, it was very interesting. And then I was missing a couple of clips. It just disappeared. Yeah, so I'll talk about those clips here in just a second. All right, do you remember what our summary was in our instant cast? Go ahead, lay it out there. What did we see? What did we see? The refs were horrible, and it was a game that we lost. The Houston Texans didn't necessarily win that game. We just kind of gave it away. Okay, after watching the All-22, I'll I'll tell you this. The refs were actually worse than we thought, (laughs) if you can believe that. I'm not surprised. this This is like a quick summary of everything. The... The refs were absolutely trash. Absolutely trash. I think, I can't remember which game it was a while back, but I think we had, it was a really bad ref game. I want to say it was New Orleans. Seattle, maybe? Yeah, I don't think it was Seattle. I can't remember, but I think we had quite a few screw-ups by the ref. I want to say 9 or 15, something like that. Well, anyhow, in this one, I counted 12. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. We'll go over them in detail here in a moment. The... The Texans played with more energy than we did. Oh, interesting. So that was kind of like the New Orleans game. Yes, yes. Where we were very flat, especially the second game. Our our defense played well. We know that. The offensive line played well, but they just didn't play with oomph. Uh, they, they, they did great protecting Jameis. I mean, 
It, the few stacks they got, those were Jameis's fault for scrambling around. How many and, did he have? I think three. I can't remember. It wasn't a lot. I mean, they they were not pressuring him at all. Our offensive line did a great job with that. Diamond Smith just basically totally shut down Merciless. Really? Without a lot of effort. I think Merciless got by him twice. No, only once that I could think of. It might have been twice. But neither one of them really affected the play. Uh, Jensen played really well. Uh, There there was some good blocking. But but generally, I mean, we shut their defensive line down, and they did a lot of blitzing. Uh, Their number 41, Zach Cunningham, linebacker for Texans, he's good. Uh, so is their nose tackle, DJ Reader, number 98. Uh, these are two guys we did not pick up on when we watched uh, some of the Texans games. As a matter of fact, the people we thought might would be good. It, actually, we were totally wrong about their defense. Uh, their cornerbacks stuck to our receivers like glue. Jameis Winston had very few open receivers. Almost every pass he threw was in a tight window. Oh, that's crazy. It explains a lot why he threw so many interceptions. Because, I mean, he was just throwing no matter if they were covered or not. Because they were always covered, basically. That's interesting because they're ranked so low as far as passing defense. It makes you wonder if the game plan wasn't good, if they stepped up their play, if our receivers, you know, because we had our number one, number two were out, if our receivers just couldn't get space. Don't know, but they were, they stuck to them like glue. It it, kind of looked like our secondary. Our secondary played very well. Our defensive line played very well. Uh, We pressured Deshaun Watson quite a bit. Not as much as I would like to have seen, of course, but... He's hard to pressure, though, because he's a mobile quarterback. He can usually escape. And that is his number one thing, is a mobile quarterback. I mean, we really kept him in check, him and DeAndre Hopkins. He's a mobile quarterback, and he does just like Jameis Winston. Sometimes he would scramble for no reason, and he would get, you know, run into sacks. And he was missing guys that were open downfield, not seeing them. So it, it reminded me almost exactly of Jameis Winston, except... Deshaun Watson has a little bit more grace. He doesn't look like a <laughs> newborn giraffe when he's running around. Got a little bit more speed to him. Levante David played very well. I would say he was the best player on the field. You know, this is this is going to sound really strange. Our worst unit, and I think this is what hurt us the most, was special teams. Really? Yeah. You know, we were talking about, I was like, why aren't they having Dari back there returning punts and kickoffs? And then they did. And he just wasn't getting anywhere, and nobody was able to get anywhere. We didn't, we got hardly any yards. It, it wasn't them. It was our blockers. We had, and I, I pointed this out in the video, 51 Minter, 34 Adams, 37 Mazzy Wilkins, and 24 Stewart were all guilty of not blocking a single person on punts and kickoffs sometimes. If it, almost every punt and kickoff, they were just guys not blocking anybody. Were they whiffing, or were they just not no. trying? I, I wouldn't say they weren't trying. It was just like they half-assed it. I wouldn't even say they weren't given effort. They were just not... Executing well? Yeah, so let's let's say that. There was one kickoff right after they scored a field goal in the first quarter, I think it was. Mazzy... I want to say it was Mazzy... I can't remember. Mentor, I put it on the video. Uh, Two of them on the right side of the line, two of our guys, one of them was Mentor, I remember that, just let three guys run right past them, and the the returner just got clobbered by them. It's very strange. They didn't block a single person. Uh, there was a punt, actually two punts, where we had two guys on the gunner, uh, Kevin Minter and Adams one time. We had two guys trying blocking one guy. That that one guy for the Texans just ran right between uh, Minter and Adams. They didn't put, they didn't lay a hand on him. He just ran right between them, ran down the field, and made the tackle as soon as the guy caught the ball. Uh, another play, another punt. I want to say it was Mazzy Wilkins and Minter this time. The guy goes around them. You know, it was two guys on one, two guys on the gunner. He runs around them. They turn around and start chasing him. 
And another Houston Texan guy comes running up right behind them, and they're looking at the guy that ran past them, and the guy that is behind them ends up making a tackle. I mean, if they would have just turned around and blocked the guy, because you, know, you can't block a guy in the back, why even care if he's running past you? Just turn around and block somebody else. But he, yeah, the guy was running right behind them and then just veered left real quick, made the tackle. So our special teams unit has got to step up. There was one where, you know, Ryan Smith is usually our special teams guy. He did not a whole lot in this game. I, th- I want to say that Houston special teams, they, spe- they pay a lot of attention to their special teams. We don't seem to. Ryan Smith, 29, was running down the sideline as a gunner. No, he was blocking. And the guy, he was blocking number 33, grabs him and pulls him to the ground right in front of a ref. All right, this is one of the 12 that I'm going to talk about here in a minute. <laughs> and uh, 33 goes, and he ends up making the tackle. And you see Ryan Smith walk up to him and stick his finger in his face. Oh. The very next punt, 33 is running down the field. Ryan Smith runs over to him and grabs him by the jersey and just yanks him straight down, <laughs> makes him face plant into the ground. And Did Ryan- he get caught for that? No. Huh? Oh, good. Okay. No. Well, that's another one of the 12. So he got his revenge. <laughs> but, yeah, our special teams unit did not play well. And it really was a difference in the game. It, you know, because this was a very close game. This was an inches matter game. Right behind them, I'm going to put Jameis Winston. He did really good with, you know, making some very difficult passes, but he was scrambling out of the pocket too much when he didn't need to. Like I said, our, our offensive line did a great job giving him clean pockets. And there just was not a whole lot of pressure on him, but he just seemed to have those happy feet this game, and he was... Those really seem to affect him when he has the happy feet. Mm-hmm. It seems like the games where he's had a poor performance, he's been very flighty like that. Yeah, he gets skittish. But he did that too much, and he made poor decisions. One of the decisions he made... What, did, I'm not really knocking Jameis for this game because, like I said, I mean these cornerbacks were glued to our receivers, and we, you know, Jameis Winston did a great job. And we were within three. I mean, it's not like we got stomped. And despite the four interceptions, we had the chance to win it. Right, which is what I'm getting to next. We got the ball with I think it was 26, 29 seconds left in the fourth quarter. We yeah. were down on our goal line. We had to drive. All we needed was a field goal, so we had to drive 60 yards. We'll say. In 29 seconds, right? Jameis hikes the ball. He's in a shotgun. He hikes the ball. Winston, again, feels phantom pressure. He runs around, and he ends up throwing a check down to 44, Dari Ogunbowale, right in the middle of the field for nine yards. Dari gets tackled. They have to run up there and do another play, and they ended up snapping the ball with four seconds left. Jameis Winston throws it to, I think it was Hyman. He threw it to Hyman, dropped the ball, game over. Well... On that first play, we had 26 seconds about left. When Jameis Winston threw it to Dario Ogunbowale, he had 17 Justin Watson wide open down the field. Yeah, about 20 yards standing on the sideline. If he would have hit Justin Watson, Justin Watson would have just stepped out of bounds, stopped the clock. We would have had 15 seconds left. We would have only needed about 40 yards to go. You know, two more plays like that in 15 seconds, boom, kick a field goal, tie the game. But instead, he throws it in the middle to Dari on a check down. I, I don't know. He should have thrown that ball away. I mean, they couldn't have been blitzing that many. They knew they were going down the field. Well, he didn't have – I mean, he was in the end zone, but he just – Well, that's what I'm saying. Houston knew at that point that he needed a big chunk mm-hmm. yardage play, so I can't imagine that they rushed that many. He felt pressure and just immediately just started scrambling around. And it's, it's sometimes it's just so frustrating. But that right there – 
you know, that killed it for us. That was the end of the game. When he yeah. threw that pass to Dari in the middle of the field for nine yards, that was it. There's nothing we could do. And he missed seeing Justin Watson open 15, 20 yards down the field, standing on the sideline. But he, he I don't think he could have really thrown it to him because he, he threw it to Dari on the run. You know, and that pass would have taken you. Know, he would have had to play in his feet. That would have had to have been a little bit of velocity on that ball. And he, he didn't even see Watson, I'm sure. So that that killed any chance we had. Before that, the the series before that was the one where Brait ended up dropping the pass. Yeah, on the fourth and one. Yes. That one, oh, that was so... Ugh. Had to be demoralizing. Yes. Well, first off, it was... Uh, this is in the fourth quarter. It was 422 left in the game. 28 Hargreaves. This is uh, third and one. Hargreaves made a crucial tackle for a loss on that and made it fourth and three. Ugh. I know. And, and the score was 23 to 20 at that point. We were on the Houston's 47. I mean, yeah. And then we went for it on fourth and three and Bray dropped the ball just a flat out right in his hands. He he turned his head before he caught it. You know, he was, he was wanting to run before he got the ball. Yeah. And it was just like, oh my gosh! It was just—it was at that point where you're like, we're—that was all Buccaneers football, you know. We we should we just shot ourselves in the foot like four times in a row, and then that was game. that whole game immediately. He yeah. throws a pick six, you know. Yeah, but we've been we've been making up for that. Yeah, it's not something that we couldn't overcome, and we did overcome it. But there were just so many other mistakes. Yeah, the first pass that Winston threw, uh, the interception, it was actually his first pass of the game. He had O.J. Howard open across the middle, but uh, 74 Marpet had gotten pushed back into Jameis, so he had to throw it. If he could have waited a split second longer, Howard was wide open. Mm. I mean, he still had Howard open. I mean, he could; it would have been a tighter throw, but I mean, about the time Winston, the ball released out of his hand, Howard was open at that point. And it would have been a really easy throw, and it wouldn't have been an interception, most likely. <laughs> Who knows? So, uh, their first run, the, our first run of the game, uh, ninety-seven blacks, and he he ended up beating uh, seventy-four Marpet and seventy-six Diamond Smith for the tackle. Uh, but like I said, it, I mean, generally we kept them in check. Their their defenses really did not get a lot of pressure on Jameis. Uh, Houston had a lot of quick throws, very few long routes. You know where I mean, very very few where Deshaun Watson you know kept the ball and. You know, for more than three seconds in the pocket. And generally, when he kept it that long, he was going to run it. 74, we had talked about him. Max Sharping, he was a rookie, left guard. We were talking about how, you know, going up against Vea and Sue and all that, they'd probably eat him alive. No, he did great. Did great. They should be uh, very, very proud of that guy. The sack at two minutes in the fourth quarter by 59, Merciless. Gotta love that name. Was totally on Jameis Winston. He got the happy feet, ran around. Donovan Smith had blocked Merciless great. You know, Jameis Winston ran out of the pocket. Mercer was able to get him from behind. But even right then, he had 44 Dari Ogunbowale running across the middle. But because Jameis Winston had his shoulders turned scrambling, he couldn't throw it to him. So that, you know, his, his scrambling and decision-making just were not good. But we still could have won despite him. I think that our special teams, if our special teams could have gotten any yardage, you know, moved the ball down the field just a little bit. Well, on the flip side, how were they when... Houston was receiving. Anything of note? Yeah, well, our special teams unit, since Ryan Smith has come back, has played very well. You know, Ryan Smith is almost always down there for the tackle. They pretty much kept Ryan Smith in check. This is the first game where I've seen where Ryan Smith was didn't really contribute a lot to special teams. I don't even know if he had a tackle on special teams, which for him, that's unheard of. So they really focused on special teams. I don't know if they do that all the time or if they just did it for us because they saw it's a weakness of ours. Our special teams, before Ryan Smith got here, if anybody remembers, at the beginning of the year, our special teams sucked. 
And then Ryan Smith came back from suspension, and he made it, you know, average anyhow. So let's get to these refs. Oh, my gosh. They were so bad, so bad. Uh, in the first quarter, 201, number 50, Adams for Houston, Texas. He's a linebacker. He just decleated uh, was it number 17, Watson, Justin Watson. Justin Watson was coming across the middle of the field as a receiver, and Adams just just – you know, took three steps over to him and just put a shoulder right into him. Knocked him off his feet on his ass. It should have been illegal contact. I don't know how they did not see that. Was the ball in the air at the time? No, because I would have, I would have said defensive pass interference. Right. But, yeah, I mean, he just, it was so blatantly obvious. And, you know, if that was the first thing I saw in the film, I wasn't even looking for it. And I was like, God, what, what in the world happened there? But, yeah, he just, he took a couple steps and put a shoulder right into Watson as he was coming across the middle of the field. Uh, the second quarter, this is the one where – uh Jameis Winston threw an interception. The defender jumped up and caught the ball. Both him and Perriman came down with it. At the same time. At the same time. I looked at this from every angle I could get, and there's no way you can't say Perriman did not have simultaneous possession of that ball. They both caught that ball at the same time. And the rule is to default to the receiver. Yeah, simultaneous possession goes to the receiver. Now, if the defender had caught the ball and then Perriman had grabbed hold of it, then that would have been the defender's ball, but it didn't. A pairman had his balls on the, that had his hand <laughs> had his had hand his balls in his hand. <laughs> a pairman grabbed hold of that ball at the same time the defender did, and they both went to the ground and maintained possession all the way through. That should have been Perriman's ball. Uh, second quarter, 12-16, number 63 had hands to the face on number 93, 93 Sue. That was not called. It was blatant. I mean, he pushed Sue's head completely back. Uh, a number of those happened during this game, but I didn't write them all down. So there could have been more than 12. Oh, yeah, yeah. And if you count all the holding, I didn't even mess with the holding unless it was really bad. You know, there was plenty of plenty of that to go around. Uh, second quarter, 12-34-29, Ryan Smith. This is the one where he was grabbed and pulled down to the ground by 33, A.J. Moore on a punt. The referee was staring right at them. He actually took his hat off and threw it on the ground because they had both gone out of bounds. How he did not see this is beyond me. Like I he said, blinked right then. These guys blinked. These guys were horrible. And th- but it was so funny because, like I said, the next punt, when they punted, uh, Ryan Smith did the same exact thing to him. Yeah, Ryan Smith ran over to the guy, 33, and... Kind of pointed at him, and I couldn't tell if he, like, patted him, saying, oh, I'm going to get you back for that one. No, no, but he did. He got him back, did the exact same thing. Uh, that And that was at the, the second quarter, 521. He did the same thing to A.J. Moore. Uh, second quarter, 126, Dean interception. Dean pushed off on 12 for that interception. Ooh. Yeah, in the back. <laughs> it wasn't a big push off, but it was just enough. Yeah. That maybe it should have been called. It should have been called. On that same play, 77, their, one of their offensive linemen, Chris Clark, had hands to the face on 58 Barrett. No call on that one. Uh, fourth quarter, 97, trying our long, long snapper. He holds 52 and tackles him on the punt. <laughs> and 52 got up, and he was just like, come on, refs. This is, I mean, he did. It was a blatant. He, I mean, he, held, he grabbed hold of him and tackled him to the ground. <laughs> No call on that one. Uh, fourth quarter, I'm not sure on the time of this one. It's a 77 again. He false started. No call. This was an interesting one because Nacho is in front of 77. And 77 false starts, gets the jump on Nacho, but Nacho ends up olaying him. 77 falls on the ground. Nacho runs over. It's a run and play. Duke Johnson gets the ball, and he's going behind number 63. Well, 63 steps in front of Duke Johnson. Right as Nacho was going to tackle Duke Johnson, 
Nacho ends up tackling 63. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. I know it's just a big old bear hug. It's like, oops. <laughs> Wrong guy. Yeah. Uh, and then we have the ones that we talked about after the game. Uh, the second pass by the Buccaneers was a DPI that was challenged by Arians, and we lost that one. That was an obvious defensive pass interference. Uh, the call on Dean for holding, that was BS. And then the obvious fumble on Houston in the first quarter, 536, that wasn't called because Ugh. the refs claimed forward progress, not right. reviewable. That was complete BS. I looked at it from all the angles. I mean, the guy had – we yeah, had one – he was look. upright. Yeah. I mean, he was bent over and two – in the process of falling, basically, like well, we're tackling him. Yeah, but he had one leg. One leg was wrapped up. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to call a guy no forward progress because somebody's holding his shoe. I mean, think how many tackles have been broken on the Buccaneers because of that. Yeah. So, yeah, the refs had a horrible, horrible game. Most of it went in benefit of Houston. So, we need to do, we got to do something about these refs. It's. It's so ridiculous. You know, I was looking at the rule book. I, I go to the rule book while I'm doing these videos to make sure I know what I'm talking about with this stuff. And I, I swear to God, the rule book is getting impossible to understand. It, like there was a blindside block. Well, I thought it was a blindside block on the last interception that Jameis threw. Uh, O.J. Howard was standing there and a guy comes over and hits him. Uh, but the guy was the guy that hit O.J. Howard was facing our end zone. And in the rule book, it says you have to be facing your own end zone. I don't know why that makes a difference. I don't know. But it, it's just the wording in it. I, I really had to sit there for like 10 minutes and just parse it. And I was like, okay, what? You know, because the pronouns were kind of screwy. You know, it's like, it's like legalese trying to yeah. read <laughs> some legal code. Yeah, and it used to not be this way because every year I go over the rule books to see what's changing and all that good stuff. And, you know, the, the NFL rule book used to be very simple to read and understand. Now, it's really difficult. A lot of these calls, a lot of these new rules and, and the add-ons and additions they've done are just really difficult to understand. And I think it makes it extremely difficult for the refs, way too difficult. And these guys are in charge of, you know, not only enforcing the rules on the field, but they have to babysit these guys. You know, they have to make sure that they're not fighting. You know, used to they would let them fight a little bit more than they do now. Uh, you know, they have to worry about ejections, whether they should ejection, and then they have to worry about whether their calls are going to get overturned and reviewed and blah, 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 blah. You know, should they let the play go on? Should they blow the whistle? You know, but their first priority is player safety, so they got to blow the whistle if they feel like the play could get dangerous, and then that ends up, you know, it's a fumble. Then everybody gets mad because they blew the whistle too early, and then they have to worry about, you know, players' health and safety, and it's just, it's way too much for these refs. It's too much. And we're putting too much power in their hands. We're putting too much responsibility and too much power. And They're I, changing games. They're, they're, yeah, they're changing games. There's no doubt about that. It's always been a problem, but now it's just getting ridiculous. It's it's way, way, way too ridiculous. They're, they are the third team on the field now, and if they have a bad game, it's a detriment to everybody. So I would like to see... I don't know when the new ref CBA is coming up. I think in four or five years. Oh, no, they just years. renewed it. Yeah. yeah for how long is it? Four, four, five years? I think like, no, seven. Oh, God. Jesus, man. We got to do something. We need to do a fact check on that one. Okay. Oh, that reminds me. I had some we fact checks and follow ups. Some fact check. Do you? No. Oh. <laughs> well, we did them together. All right. It's been a long time since we've done these fact check to follow ups. I meant to put this at the beginning of the podcast. All right, fact check. Noah Spence was drafted in the second round, not the first. Like, Molly had said. What? I had said first round. You had said second round. You were correct. What? Not going to repeat that. Fact check. Peyton Manning has 2,618 yards through five seasons 
Winston has 9,536 yards. Winston would have to throw 1,082 yards week 17 to tie it. Wait, no, you got 20,618 yards, not 2,000. No, you missed a zero. No, you said 2,000. All right, 20,618 yards is what Peyton Manning had through five seasons. Winston has 19,536. Uh, Winston would have to throw 1,082 yards this week against Atlanta <laughs> Falcons to just to tie it. I think he can do it. <laughs> I wonder if Peyton's numbers include playoffs, too. Because that would make a difference make if a you're getting difference. extra games. If you look at Peyton Manning's and James Winston's numbers, statistics, I mean, it is scary how identical they are. Yeah. All right, Jason Light, we had talked about his draft picks. Five of his last six first-round draft picks are serious contributors to our starting offense. Uh, we're talking about Mike Ab- Evans, James Winston, O.J. Howard, Devin White, and Vita Vea. The one that isn't, Vernon Hargreaves. That's a pretty good list there. I like all of them. I do, too. I think and they- they're major contributors. So, yeah, yeah. So you know, I, people give Jason Light a hard time. I can understand why they would, but... Again, it's the same thing with Jameis Winston. Who are you going to replace him with? I mean, who who's a good GM? We don't know. I don't even know what makes a good GM. <laughs> right. I, mean, I don't know how to be a GM. <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah. Who is a good GM? I mean, if you were to look like, across the Like, do the, the league, GMs, how much football analysis are they doing? Or are they just listening to their scouting departments? Or the how coaches? How much football knowledge they, do they have? Yeah, how much say do the coaches have? I mean, have? we know that uh, Lovey Smith was in charge of player personnel for his first Two years here. Only two. Only two years. <laughs> Thank God. So, you know, I don't know how much Jason Light had to do with those picks. But, you know, so, you know, I mean, we're, we're always biased towards Buccaneers anyhow. I'm I'm never in favor of firing people and cutting people. But Jason Light, he's done a fine job to me. I, I don't have a problem with him. But so many people, and I understand why, because you got the Jason Negroes, you got the Noah Spence, you got the Vernon Hargreaves. You know, we seem to get a lot of guys who just don't perform well. But that, that's going to happen with every team. You know, it's like with the quarterback situation. You know, people are like, "Oh, let's draft a quarterback to replace Jameis." You know, get rid of Jameis and just get another quarterback. I'm like, wait, do y'all do do, do do you not follow what goes on in the league? I mean, 15 of the 32 quarterbacks in the league could be considered okay. The rest of them suck, right? The bottom 15 guys are not really good. You don't want to replace Jameis with the bottom 15 guys, and then. You look at all the quarterbacks that have been drafted just since Jameis Winston has been drafted. How many of those are starting in the league? I mean, we need to do a, a breakdown to get to get some data analysts to figure out how many guys, how many quarterbacks have been drafted into the league since Jameis Winston was drafted and how many of them stayed in the league and then how many of them are in the top 15 or 10 quarterbacks in the league. Because that's what you want if you're going to replace Jameis Winston because you got, no matter what you say, Jameis Winston is at least average you know he's gonna be at the top 15 so if you if you just want to replace Jameis Winston with a guy that's just as good and you're talking about somebody in the top 15 of the league this sounds like an analysis for Tom Bassinger <laughs> yeah no <laughs> so again you know if we if we get rid of Jason like who we're gonna replace him with it's not there's nothing to say that the guy we get is gonna be better or worse it's a gamble anyway you know, I, I believe in you deal with the devil you know. So, there you go. So, is that your stance on Jameis, too? Yeah, it really is. Yeah, me too. You know, it, it's our defense is stepping it up. If we can retain a lot of our defense, they're going to play as good, probably better next year because our secondary, they're all new guys. This is the first time in the NFL for a lot of them. Uh, you know, the, they've gotten better towards the end of the year. I mean, actually, they're really, really good. So, 
next year we can expect them to be as good, if not better. They can make up for some of Jameis Winston's screw-ups, which is what we need. You know, when one, one unit or one player starts screwing up, to, another unit steps up to fill in that gap. We haven't had that. So, yeah, you know, I'm, a, I'm a fan of keeping Jameis Winston. It's just uh, I sure don't want Andy Dalton or Cam Newton or Phillip Rivers. I wouldn't mind Phillip Rivers, but not over Jameis. Like, no, I feel like no. if the – Jameis is my first option. Let's go with that. Unless Tom Brady's available. <laughs> if Tom Brady's available, I would say, eh, you know, I'll, I'll take Tom Brady. What about Drew Brees? Well, I just don't like Drew Brees as a person. <laughs> <laughs> And, and to be honest with you, I have never liked their offense. I'm just that dink and dunk stuff. Although Tom Brady's a dink and dunker too. And to me, it's just boring football. All right. So anyhow, speaking of uh, GMs getting cut and coaches getting fired and new quarterbacks, what do we got with the Atlanta Falcons coming up? <laughs> Seventeen. Molly's got the uh, preview ready. We're going to go ahead and do that because we're not going to have a podcast out. Uh, well, we relate with this one because of Christmas. We forgot to tell everybody we weren't going to be doing a podcast on Christmas Day. So we figured we just combine the two. Get this one out tonight. Let it sit throughout the weekend. All right, so we're going to talk about the Atlanta Falcons. Week 17, our last game. It's meaningless as far as playoffs are concerned. It's not meaningless as far as jobs are concerned. If we lose to the Atlanta Falcons, especially if we get our butts beat, I don't know. I think you might see some changes in the in the the roster. I think it does really have implications for us. It's got more for the Falcons, oh, though, yeah. because oh, Dan yeah. Quinn has been on the hot seat. They started 1-7. and seven. He's on a win streak. I think they've gone 5-2 and two since their bye week. One of those losses was to us. Woo-hoo. But he hasn't changed some minds. So there are people in the fan base and the public who want him gone still, despite the turnaround midseason. Coincidentally, that's when he stopped with play calling. That's when they improved. So I'm not sure that that's necessarily a good thing for Dan Quinn, that his play calling was so atrocious that once he stopped, they really made a turnaround. Reminds me of Mike Smith. You know, he's in his sixth season. Next season would be his seventh season. Wow. That's crazy. You know, I still feel like he's a new coach there. So it's been six years. He's taken them to the Super Bowl, which they lost. <laughs> <laughs> In an embarrassing fashion. 28 to 3. <laughs> I'm still laughing. I know. And then, you know, what else has he done? So we'll see Black Monday. We'll very. Oh, I fully, much... I fully expect him to come. And, you think so? Yeah. And Matt Ryan, it, he doesn't have any more guaranteed money, right? I don't know, but I haven't heard anyone else talking about him being well, he, gone. He's played really bad this year. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, Atlanta Falcons, I'm seeing this across the league where the stands are just really empty, even with good teams. Uh, there's a few teams, you know, that always have Consistently fill out their stands. Dallas, Green Bay. Kansas City. Giants. You know, the, the, San Francisco, since they've made the turnaround this year, they've been showing Yeah, because last year, remember, their stands were really empty. Yeah, bandwagoners. Yeah, but like Atlanta, their stands are worse than ours. Yeah. So I think Adam Blank is going to have to... Seriously, Arthur Blank. Arthur Blank is going to have to seriously think about making some major changes just to get people in the stands. And especially because they just built that ridiculous stadium, and now they can't even fill it up halfway. And they put a Chick-fil-A in there, and Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays. I ne- I'll never understand that. I mean, it's it's obviously for all the other events they do in the stadiums, but... Maybe. I don't know. It just It's weird. It is weird. It's a weird choice. Atlanta's weird. The Falcons are weird. Arthur Blank's weird. 
He is a weird. He looks like a villain. Yeah. Like in a Batman movie or something. Just a very strange looking man. All right. So what do we got? What do we got going on with this matchup? Matt Ryan came out and said on the NFL Network that they are playing for Dan Quinn's job. Wow. And there was another guy, safety Ricardo Allen, who said something similar. Well, good. We can uh, knock Dan Quinn out of the <laughs> out of the job. I, I, I'm I'm expecting to see some interceptions on this one, and I want to see Shaq Barrett get some more sacks. I know he needs one more sack or a half sack, something to break Warren's sacks record. He's matched it at this point. Right? Yes. He's at 16 and a half. I don't, I don't really care if he breaks Warren Sapp's record, but I want him to have the... Go the, out with a bang. I want him to have the league... Well, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I do or not if I want to have him the league record. Because if he doesn't have the league record for the year, that takes a lot of leverage away from Rothenhaus, his agent, asking for more money. You know, if he's got the record on the year, then he can ask for Whatever a lot more money. Whatever he wants, Yeah. He was pretty quiet in that Houston game, surprisingly. Right. Well, we sacked Matt Ryan six times when we played him the last time. He had a horrible game when we played him 23 of 46, 271 yards, zero touchdowns, one interception, a 59.2 rating. Oof. Yeah, so Matt Ryan did not look good. Good stuff. The last time against us. And we held Julio Jones... To 68 yards. So with our improved secondary, who's gotten even better since then. So I'm optimistic in that aspect. They want to finish 8-8 eight and eight just like we do. If they be, oh no, they'll be 7-9. and nine. So if they win, they'll be, they're 6-9, and nine, they'll be 7-9. and nine. And if we, so if we lose, we'll be 7-9. and nine. We'll be tied. And at that point, if they beat us, they win second in the division. And we'll be third. Oh, so we're playing for the second spot. We are playing for the second Man, spot. We better division. win. I know. But the good point about that is, looking forward to next year, if we're third in the division, and that means we play the lesser quality opponents in the NFC, we play the third place people in the NFC North, NFC West, and the NFC East. East. So I think we're going to be playing the NFC North next year, like the whole division. No, that's right. Yeah. So, so it would be the NFC. Yeah, West. East and West. Okay. So that would be the difference between playing who, like Seattle? the Rams, <laughs> yeah, or Seattle, right? Uh, but you know, all that's a crapshoot too because you don't know who's going to improve next year, right? Look at how far San Francisco went in a year. Should have been us. You know, it sucks. We played Quan Alexander, the Forty ers They beat us. We played uh, the Carolina Panthers. Gerald McCoy split series with them, but they humiliated us in London. Then we played uh, the Tennessee Titans with Adam Humphreys. They beat us. Then we played the Houston Texans with Vernon Hargreaves. They beat us. So we did not beat anybody that we cut or got rid of this year, except for the Carolina Panthers the first time. That's pretty bad. Yeah. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Debbie Downer. (laughs) (laughs) Merry Christmas. Since we saw Atlanta, they've gone on a three-game win streak. So they beat the Panthers, the 49ers, and the Jags. Before the Panthers, they played the Saints, who they lost to. The 49ers, that was a crazy game. They were not expected to win that mm-hmm. one. No, that was the one where Julio Jones won it. The last second falling into the end zone, barely. I mean, by like two inches. Ugh, makes me sick. <laughs> <laughs> but they've averaged 33 points a game in those three wins. Matt Ryan has thrown for 825 yards, six touchdowns, two interceptions. 
Julio Jones has had 23 catches for 268 yards and two touchdowns. And then Devontae Freeman has had 127 yards and two touchdowns. Is that combined or is that average? That was Devontae Freeman against Jacksonville last week. Oh, okay. Jacksonville, there's a shit show. I know. So, the quality of their opponent hasn't been great. I mean, the Panthers and the Jags. Eh. San Francisco. What are you talking about? The Panthers are contenders. <laughs> Still not contenders. <laughs> but they did beat the 49ers. They lost to the Saints. So, it seems like they're kind of as hot and cold as we are. I am worried about our receivers, though. Because the first matchup against Atlanta, Godwin had 184 yards and two touchdowns. He went 7 of 8. Mike Evans, on the other hand, he went 4 of 8 for only 50 yards. So they neutralized Mike Evans. Chris Godwin really lit it up. And now we don't have either one of them. So I like Perriman and Watson. Yeah, I did too. They really showed up. And, you know, O.J. Howard, he had some good catches. Yeah, he dropped a couple too. Yeah. And then Brayton, of course, with the fourth and one drop. Oh, that's so unlikely. <laughs> we haven't swept Atlanta since 2015. Four years? Yep. Now, now's the time to do it. Now is the time. Let's let's get their coach fired. <laughs> let's demoralize them. Let's make them go into next year. Negative record. We made some more roster moves this week. So we signed wide receiver Jaden Mickens to the active roster from the practice squad. We also signed cornerback John Franklin from the practice squad to the active roster. We waived Jordan Leggett, the tight end. Really? Yeah, and then we waived Ishmael Hyman. Really? But then we signed both of them to the practice squad. Hmm, that's interesting. I know. It makes you wonder, are they trying to get some of the guys on the practice squad, some more reps just to see how they do in a regular game? Or... Is it very much a demotion and a testament to Jordan Leggett and Ishmael Hyman's performance? Yeah. Interesting. I did not know that. Jameis only needs 92 yards to become the eighth quarterback in NFL history to pass 5,000 yards in a season. It's been done 12 times, but only eight quarterbacks have done it. Impressive. Right. But he only needs two more interceptions to be the first quarterback to have 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions in a single season. (laughs) You can do it, James. Come on. <laughs> That's a record I'm okay with him not having. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I like I like having weird records just to throw the stats guys for a loop. You know? <laughs> That's true. People do get kind of hung up on them sometimes. Levante David was named to the 2010s All-Decade Team by NFL. Really? He was. Also named for linebackers were Luke Keekley and Bobby Wagner. I agree with all three of those. I agree. So it was nice to see him get some recognition after being snubbed for the Pro Bowl again. Yeah, it's pretty bad when Levante's David's biggest claim to fame is that he's never gotten any fame. I know. It's like everybody I talk to about Levante David, even if they're not Buccaneer fans, they're like, man, I just don't understand why that guy hasn't made it to the Pro Bowl. <laughs> he's so good. He's so underrated. Underrated, yes. Yeah. What he says. Oh, yeah, in that in the video I showed, and the it really doesn't do it justice on the video, but that fumble that uh, Levante David caused on Duke Johnson, oh, God, that was beautiful. You know, Levante David, one of his biggest things that I've always liked about him is he, and this is key for linebackers, is to, to be able to avoid blocks or to be able to shed blocks. And Levante David was the best at that for the first few years. And it seems like once he got his big contract money, he kind of, 
fell off in that aspect. But. Well, I don't know how much of that was coaching also right, yeah. because the rest of the team was doing it too. Yes, that's right. Where they yeah. would go right to the blockers. Right to the blockers. It was so weird. But that on that play, 77 pulls their uh, left guard. He pulls, and he has a straight-on shot to block Levante David. And he's a big boy. 77 is a big boy. And he goes to block Levante David, and the running back is right behind him. And he goes to block Levante David, and Levante David just dips his shoulder, and the guy totally misses him. He falls <laughs> flat on his face. And not only did David evade the block, made the blocker fall down, he got a tackle for a loss and knocked the ball loose, all in the <laughs> same split second. I was like, man, that is masterful. That's some elite-level crap right there. He's just such a playmaker. Yeah, he's very solid. He made very few mistakes. He, yeah. Levante David makes very few mistakes. Underrated. Agreed. All right, so what's your prediction? Well, How do you think this is going to go? We pluck the Falcons. It's going to be, I think it's going to be a mess for them. Uh, you don't think riding off this momentum that they're on? Nope. That they can come no. out with a win, squeak out with a win? They beat the Carolina Panthers and the New Orleans Saints before we played them. They were on a huge high. Remember that? Yeah. And then we just, we knocked them back into reality. And that was at their house. Where they've got for the, one game though, then they lose to the Saints, but then they come back and go. They're on a three-game win streak. Albeit the opponents are not great, but they did beat the 49ers. Well, we're going to give them a reality check. So I'm saying, oof, man, I'm I'm going to go high. I'm going to go 42 us 28 Atlanta. I think they're really going to struggle scoring points on us. Our defense is one pissed that they played so well last week and we still lost that game. But that's one thing I love about this defense and I love about this team, man. It's just a team where they don't get discouraged about anything. I mean, they're still out there playing. They want to win every game, every play, every down. And that includes Jameis Winston. I think that's where they get it from. I think that's where they get it from. Yeah. It's like no matter what happens, you know, you get beat on one play, you come out there and you knock the guy's head off the second play. It's like like what (laughs) Ryan Smith did. Hey, guy, hold (laughs) you, takes you to the ground, do the same thing to him next time. (laughs) And then get up in his face about it. All right, I'm going to go. I don't think it's going to be that high. You know, I'm split on this one. I could see us losing it. I could see us what It really could go either way, but I am going to be a homer. I'm picking the Bucks. That's why I married you. <laughs> I'm going to go 32 to 26. That's a good one. That's respectable. It's a weird score, too. Mine's a little bit of wishful thinking. It could happen. Oh, yeah. With this team, it could definitely happen. But I think we get the win. I think we're going to sweep them. All right, and we got our picks in. We got the last game of the season. I'm so sad. I know. It's about time to hibernate again. February rolls around. I get kind of sad and morose. But then free agency starts early March. Yeah, we usually start watching the season again from game one. Well, really, you get like one month off between Super Bowl and free agency. Between the end of the season and Super Bowl, you have playoffs, and then you also have all the personnel and coaching changes. So, I mean, there's stuff going on intermittently, but it certainly doesn't compare to the regular season. And we've got a lot of questions with the Bucks roster. Yeah. So I think free agency this year is going to be a lot more exciting than it was last year. We do have that to look forward to. Yeah, I'm hoping we can really retain a lot of guys and a lot of coaching staff, too. I know. I worry about that. I've seen Byron Leftwich and Todd Bowles. Their no- names kind of floating around, and that makes me nervous. Especially Todd Bowles. I don't think Byron's ready for a head coaching position, but... No. But it wouldn't surprise me. You know, you got these dumb owners like Dan Snyder that will 
Hire anybody. Yeah. <laughs> hire me, Dan. If you got a name, we'll hire you. And, and also, you know, there's some strategy involved. You know, you hire guys from, you know, to hurt your opponent. So, you know, take them away from your opponent. So, anyhow. Right. Carolina's going to be on the hunt and maybe Atlanta. It's going to be an interesting, interesting offseason. One of the biggest things, and we've talked about that quite a bit on this podcast, is this, this is a new era for the NFL. We are losing all of the, a lot of the veteran quarterbacks. You know, the league is changing. This is the last year we're going to see the reign of the uh, the veteran quarterbacks. I mean, we're, you know, Phillip Rivers, Eli Manning, Cam Newton, maybe Matt Ryan. Tom Brady becomes a free agent. Tom Brady. It would surprise me if he leaves it. New England. Yeah, but, me too, Matt. You know, it, uh, <laughs> it could happen. He could retire. I think Drew Brees, is he going to be a free agent? I'm not sure. We'll have to look at that. I don't, I don't know that. about that one. Andy Dalton, Matthew Stafford. I don't know what's going to happen there. Flacco. He's yeah. gone. He's out of the league. I mean, he's, he's a perennial backup of anything now. <laughs> they told him he was injured. <laughs> he hasn't played since. <laughs> <laughs> they told him he was injured. <laughs> Your performance is so bad for designating you injured. <laughs> no, he was talking shit about the coaching. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And next week, he mysteriously ended up on the injury report. Speaking of which, I didn't go over the injury report for the game. Let me do that real quick. Now, Wednesday, they didn't actually practice, but they did designate people on the injury report based on whether they thought they would have practiced had there been practice. Atlanta did the same thing, so I guess it's common practice to do so. The Bucks have Bo Allen hasn't practiced all week. Alex Kappa has an elbow injury. He's been full participation all week. Carlton Davis has an ankle. He's been a full participant. Damar Dawson he would not have practiced on Wednesday. It was not injury-related. I think it's the Veterans Day. But he was a full participant on Thursday. Matt Gay has a back injury, so he would have been limited Wednesday, but a full participant on Thursday. That's from trying to tackle. I think so. William Golston has an ankle injury. He would have been limited Wednesday, but was a full participant Thursday. Chris Godwin hasn't practiced all week, so we probably won't see him. Tanner Hudson, with his concussion, he's been a full participant all week, so maybe we'll get to see him on Sunday. Ryan Jensen has that elbow injury. He's been a full participant all week. JPP, this was not injury-related, would not have participated Wednesday, but was a full participant Thursday. Donovan Smith has an ankle and knee injury. He was limited all week. And Jameis Winston with the thumb and knee injury, he would have been limited Wednesday, but he practiced fully on Thursday. On the Falcons' side of the ball, safety Ricardo Allen has a shoulder and knee injury. He was limited Wednesday and Thursday. Defensive end Allen Bailey with a hand injury didn't participate Wednesday, but was limited Thursday. Running back Kenjin Barner with a shoulder and hip injury was limited all week. Guard Jamon Brown has an illness. He hasn't participated all week. Devondre Campbell, linebacker, not injury-related, did not participate on Thursday. Defensive end Adrian Claiborne, ex-Buccaneer, has a knee injury and hasn't practiced all week. Julio Jones has a knee injury. He did not participate Wednesday, but was limited Thursday. Center Alex Mack, this was not injury-related. He missed Thursday. And then defensive back Brandon Powell has a wrist injury and was limited on Thursday. So their injury report isn't too bad. It's actually longer than ours. Or no, ours is longer than theirs, so. 
There you have it. I think the shorter injury list on the Falcons part does show that maybe the team hasn't quit. We'll find out. No, I wouldn't say there's any quitting this team for sure. All right, so we got that all done, got all taken care of. Let's try to fill up those stands Sunday. Last chance for the season. Go out with a bang, clip the wings of the Falcons, let them ruminate over it all offseason, and let's go into our offseason with positives. With a 500 record. Second in the division, yo. That's right. We want this. We need it. All right, well, I hope everybody had a Merry Christmas, and we will come at you Sunday evening with our instant cast. Let you know what we thought about this butt whooping we're going to put on the Falcons. But until next time, go Bucks.